Well, good morning. Welcome back to Let's Open the Bible. It's a great Tuesday morning. Gavin, good morning. Good morning. I'm Russell Fox. Uh, we're going to still be in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. We're not done with discipleship, probably won't be done with discipleship until the Lord returns. But for the purposes of this podcast, that's what we're primarily focused on this week. Uh, Gavin, would you get us started with uh, with a prayer maybe, and, and then uh, I'll read the scripture. Absolutely. Almighty God, we come again before your throne of grace, and it is never enough. We are to pray without ceasing, and um, but we are privileged to have this set-aside time where we pray together, intentionally uh, to you, asking you to do things that will not happen if we don't pray. And so, God, I do ask for wisdom. I ask for clarity of thought and communicating that thought to, to people, uh, not for my glory, for sure, I don't deserve it, but for yours and for the benefit of those listening, and God, for our benefit, that we may know you more intimately, uh, cherish you more deeply, and follow you more passionately. God, as we discuss discipleship, may you work in our hearts a humility to know that we do not ever have it all figured out that we need iron to sharpen iron and one man to sharpen another. We need each other and everyone, God, I do ask and beg that you would cause in our hearts a desire to be in a discipleship relationship with those around us, whether it is to be under a, a Paul, to be encouraged by a Barnabas, or to uh, disciple, to help provoke the following of you uh, to a Timothy. God, would you work that in us today? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Matthew chapter 28, uh, 18 through 20. Some of you may know this by heart. Uh, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What a what an encouraging way this this passage ends. But uh, yesterday you had made uh, a comment uh, about discipleship and about discipleship classes and different things. And uh, I, I just want to, um, I don't know, maybe push back or maybe I didn't understand it, uh, exactly what you said. So like, for example, right now we are um, on Sunday nights, we're offering a discipleship class. Uh, one of our uh, leaders in the church, a lay leader in the church, is, is walking through a study that he had done several years ago uh, centered around the Romans Road. And so uh, if, if you listen or if you're not familiar with the Romans Road, reach out to us. I can get you uh, some information on that. But, but effectively what it is, this class is, is teaching a handful of those that are interested in learning about the Romans Road, about how to share their faith. It's just walking them through uh, what it is to share your testimony, what elements of the testimony you want to include in that, and then how to do that from the Scriptures in the book of Romans, uh, and then praying with people. And so it's really my vision for discipleship classes is really more about taking um, uh, some information, sharing it with some folks that are interested in sharing their faith, but maybe they're, they're not secure, maybe they're unsure, uh, maybe they have no clue on what to say uh, and, and how to go about doing it. Now, I have been a part of a church that had discipleship classes in other areas that maybe were not truly about learning to share the faith. Like I, I taught one time a discipleship class. We called it a discipleship class, but it really wasn't. What I taught was on marriage. 
And it was a good class, and it was a long class, and we had a good time. We learned a lot about marriage in that class, but we didn't learn anything about God's vision for marriage, which is to glorify Him. And so it really fell short of what I would consider today to be a discipleship class. Now, I know you had said something about not being as wild about discipleship classes per se. You want to expand on that a little bit? Well, let me start, because my mind, you know, your mind is linear, and, and, and I've been around pastors that are even more rigidly, and, and I want to say beautifully, linear. A goes to B. Uh, I've been around some that go A, C, M, S, you know, but but, but I've been around. Um, my mind is like like a shotgun. It's just, and, and I try to sort through all of that. It, and it's, it's not very linear. Uh, and I've also been around people that I don't even understand how they think, and they're brilliant, but they go purple, zebra, elephant two seven niner and i don't even understand how they got there so because i'm not linear let me make one thing clear and we all know it but i want to say it i am not your paraclete i am not the holy spirit Um, some of these things really are between you and god so my preference though is to really emphasize uh this this discipleship making in 20, which says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Most churches, when they talk about discipleship, it's an isolated, okay, now you've been discipled, go. That's not what is communicated in this passage. Discipleship is learning to walk well with God. It never ends. And so in my mind, both how I implement this in a church, how I communicate it to the congregation, uh, what I want to emphasize is an ongoing, never-ending process of being provoked to love and good deeds, that Hebrews 10 passage, that we're to get together and we're to provoke one another to love and good deeds. We're to be around one another. And um, you know, a man who trusts in his own mind is a fool, the Bible tells us, or the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. We need to be around each other, provoking each other to, to obey the commandments of God, to fall in love with him, to see him as glorious and good, all sorts of things. But that's not a six-week course. Right. And and in implementing a six-week course, what you really could be communicating is, well, now you've been discipled. So I would, it, it, this is me, love what you're doing. It's very important to learn how to, to proclaim the gospel in a way that's in accordance with scripture. But I would, I, I'd Call that class evangelism 101, uh, you know, or or uh, biblical evangelism, or something very simple that says, "Listen, this is just a component, even of evangelism, much less of all of Scripture." And so, when it says teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, okay, well, let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about how you act when you're driving. Let's talk about those things which, in everything you're doing, you're you're obeying and glorifying, obeying God, trusting and obeying Him. There's no other way to be happy in, in Jesus than to trust and obey, right? But you're glorifying God by those things. Uh, um, and, and then another thing that I want to make sure that I communicate again because of my shotgun approach, I want to I try to be clear in these thoughts. I don't believe you have to be discipled by just one person. You know, I don't think we go to a yogi who just explains to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. I, I think that we can be a part of a community of people provoking us. Um, and certainly there are more mature people that we would trust a little more that we would, you know, let them drive us towards godliness, maybe in a, in a more, uh, consistent, meaningful, even formal way. I don't, I don't know that discipleship has to be really formal, but Hey, you know, Hey, well, let, because I respect you so much, let's meet every week. Yeah. Um, 
and, and again, so, so is it wrong to have the class? I don't know, but it can communicate things that I do believe are wrong. And our church has started to believe that. Let's discipleship is, you know, we, we've been discipled. Let's move on. No, 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 no. You, you are being discipled. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't know if this is self-serving, uh, but, but, you know, to this day, I sit under the discipleship of another pastor. Uh, and, and because I know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like that Aristotelian, the Aristotle, who, who he was the, he believed when the Oracle of Delphi told him that he was the wisest man ever, he actually began to believe that because he just knew what he didn't know. He knew how much he didn't know, and it didn't seem like anybody else understood that. You don't know so much. And that made him wiser than the people that thought they knew it all. Yeah. And, and, and I, I sit under discipleship because I'm at least marginally aware of what massive amounts I don't know or don't do. And I would imagine, and I know this to be true, I don't know even more than I know that I don't know, if that made any sense. Somewhere to someone, <laughs> to someone somewhere out there, I know that there, yeah, that there was a lot more that I don't know. I think um, what I would, I guess, my mentor is really my discipler or okay. one of my disciplers. Great, you know, great in a sense. Great, I call him my mentor, Doctor Bill Greenwood. Love him. Yeah, uh, but but in in reality, he's more of a discipler for me as a pastor. You know, he's I'm following kind of footsteps that he's already laid down. Right. So, so you just said as a pastor, and, and I think there's also, when you really get honest and open up your life, you'll have a disciple person in your, you know, and maybe, maybe Dr. Greenwood is not only a pastoral disciple provoker leader, but also somebody that provokes you in terms of your marriage, in terms of other areas of your life that you have, have not submitted to God. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so maybe you have somebody that is much more equipped to, to, to provoke you pastorally, and you have somebody else that you would trust a little more with you know, the intimate parts of, of your being a father, and being a husband, being, you know, uh, and maybe even someone that you know that would provoke you as being a, a part of a church. I don't, I don't know how that all works out. I just know that there's no area of our life that we don't need some provocation and assistance in. Right, that's right. And 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 so what you know Paul is or, or excuse me Matthew is articulating in this is is you know as we make disciples it, it doesn't end there. Uh, it doesn't end with just sharing the gospel. He gets into baptizing in, in a very specific way of baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then also you're not done teaching. And, and what we're to be teaching is what Christ has commanded. Right. With this beautiful promise that Jesus adds that he will always be with us. Let me back up. So we're, we've said from the beginning we're leaving a lot of meat on the bone, and we're not digging into the baptizing today. Right. Um, exactly what that means and the, the nature of the spirit in that and, and baptizing in the name of the God, the father, God, uh, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. So in the, in the triune God, we're not getting into that, uh, but teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, um, Jesus, uh, let me b back up to Acts 20. When Paul says to the elders, uh, that have met him in Miletus, he says like, I'm innocent of the blood of you and the congregation in Ephesus. I, I'm innocent of your blood because I have taught you the whole counsel of God. Jesus here is saying, listen, we need to be teaching the whole counsel of God. All the words that I've commanded to you 
Well, we know on the road to Emmaus, he says, all of Scripture was referring to me. And so we, we from Genesis to Revelation, we teach, and that's what Jesus is calling us to do, and that's what frees us from being guilty of the blood of the people around us. That's what allows us to say we have been the watchmen on the tower of Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33, those watchmen on the tower that warn people and encourage people and call people to repentance and faith. So all of those things are to be taught. And then you will fail. I think it's really interesting in Philippians 1 when Paul says, hey, some people are going to preach the gospel out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill right? Some of you are doing this for real bad motivation. Like you have all sorts of evil intent. That seems to be almost okay with him. What then? Only then in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice, right? So not that it's not important, but he seems to be okay with the gospel. But then he pauses and he says, but I got to send to you Epaphroditus and Timothy because they're like-minded. They're they're, they're legit, uh, legitimate followers of Christ. Like you will fail Uh, discipling people in this manner unless you have power from on high. Hmm. Amen. So so I'm going to go with you because you're not going to do what I... These things are spiritually discerned and you need help in order to do this in an effective way. So we have a lot of churches out there that can walk through the gospel, what people call the basic gospel. We have, I believe, far more churches out there ill-equipped to disciple people. Unpack that. Well, first of all, um, Bailey Smith has a, a f- his most well-known, the late, I don't, I, I don't like calling men great, but the late Bailey Smith, and he was, he was a sold-out lover of Jesus. Like, he, he just was a f- passionate pursuer of Christ. So that, in that sense, he was great. And he talks about preaching the gospel and the the wheat and tear sermon, which was his, as far as I know, his most well known sermon, and he gives this uh, the statistics of pastors, pastors' wives, deacons, deacons' wives that came forward just weeping that they had been faking it for so long. Hmm. I believe, and I think we need to test ourselves to see if Christ is in us. I I, I don't want to speak from a place of arrogance. The only hero of this story is Christ Jesus, right? That's right. But I think there are a lot of pastors out there that are not spirit-filled because they're not saved. Wow. And when Jesus says, like, this is the high calling of making disciples, I'm going to go with you, you're not going to do it if you're not saved, justified, being sanctified, one day glorified. You, You may see some people saved in spite of you, like Philippians 1, but you're not going to see a healthy church uh, like Philippians 2. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Uh, and, and the other is uh, the Spirit and the Word are so intimately tied together, which we have done in a previous podcast. Um, but the Word and the Spirit are so intimately tied together. If you're not a, a Word-saturated minister, not only as what I was saying earlier, you will be guilty of the blood of some people. Um, you won't be equipped to disciple. Right. What are, what are, what are you teaching them to follow? Again, a cult of personality. Are they learning to follow you? Tradition. Are they learning to follow the traditions of a church or the traditions of man? All these things are passing away. How about, how about the intellect? 
And I think the logos is reasonable. The word, the, I mean, in the beginning was the logos, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That logos uh, is, we get logic from it. It's not an ignorant faith. It's not a blind faith. God ordered the world in wisdom and it makes sense if you just trust his word, right? Um, But you you can't explain things if you're not word saturated, spirit filled. That's right. Okay, and and then and so logic and reason. Uh, that's what I was going with logic and reason. That would be liberalism. Yeah. And I want to be loving towards our liberal brothers, but I also want to be warning of 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 liberalism in the church. Um, philosophers looked for first principles, and. Liberalism also claims as its first principle reason. Other times it claims as its first principle love. Um, but both of those words really become meaningless if they don't have a better, bigger anchor. The fundamental principles of metaphysics, Immanuel Kant works through that. If you don't have a deeper principle than those two things, it's you're blowing in the wind. Both of those things can be good or bad. However, I think as Christians, our first principle isn't love or respect, which means nothing if it doesn't have a better anchor. It's God. I am that I am. There's our first principle. From that, all truth is worked out. So liberalism, we need to warn people against liberalism. Yeah. And we need to be spirit-filled, word-saturated disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that's a good word and a good place to press pause for today. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. And keep opening your Bible until we see you tomorrow. God bless.